hello and welcome back to the Thunder Six Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I am starting something a little bit different on the podcast. It's something that I've been talking about, kind of hyping out, you know, hyping up throughout the, the regular season and even in podcasts before, you know, after the regular season finish for the team, but it's going to be more kind of draft-based and more of just scouting prospects pure evaluation from me this is something that i you know want to be doing for you guys kind of getting you all on track and like what to expect from some of the top prospects in the 2021 draft class because honestly oklahoma city could fall anywhere in the draft spectrum and it could come from those lottery picks obviously but they have so much capital in the future they can go out and snag pretty much anybody they want if they so choose Obviously, there needs to be a price, but there's a lot of different guys on this board they have access to. I think it's more than anyone else in the league. So for me, the 2021 draft class is huge for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I think before you get into draft day, kind of mapping out the different prospects is a major, major thing and what to expect and what they can do for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So in this series, I hope to hammer down the top prospects. As we fall down a little bit off, you know, the top 10, whatever it may be, I might start breaking it down to maybe smaller and smaller segments, get, you know, a bunch of players in in one episode. But as we reach the very top of the board, I think it's pretty just that we just have episodes dedicated to one sole person. And with that, these are going to be episodes that regardless of when you're listening to them, whether, you know, today I'm talking about Cade Cunningham, the next day we'll see who we talk about, right? But Regardless, you know, you can wait, you can listen to this a week later, and it's still going to be the exact same return value. It's not like in, you know, the regular season where I'm talking about the Pacers game where the Thunder lose by 60 points or whatever it was. And then the next day I'm talking about Gabrielle Deck like coming over or something like that. You know, it's not like that. So this is going to be a series that you guys can kind of keep tabs on throughout the offseason and kind of pick and choose what you want to listen to. And I think that's something that I really like about what this kind of draft evaluation series will bring to the table. But for the first guy that I want to talk about, just mentioned it, I want to talk about Cade Cunningham. And this is a player that for Thunder fans, especially Oklahoma State fans, you know a lot about this guy and you probably have seen a ton of tape. Now, if you're a Sooners fan, you know, that's another story. If you're just any other, you know, college team that you're affiliated with, it's cool. You've probably still seen a decent amount of Cunningham because he's been the consensus number one overall pick pretty much for the last year. I know that whenever the NCAA cracked down on Oklahoma State for, you know, recruiting violations five years ago, whatever it was, and Cade wanted to stay, he was seen as the number one prospect, and he still is by pretty much every single draft network that is going public on stuff. He's the safe number one pick for everybody. And I'm just going to be breaking it down, maybe giving my takes on Kay Cunningham, where I see him as a player, and then also where I see the Oklahoma City Thunder kind of fitting into it and where Cade could fill in to Mark Dagnalt's system if they do choose to take him in the draft. So just starting out with Kay Cunningham, he is a big point guard. He's very special. Six foot eight, 220 pounds. 19 years old I think it's 19 years eight months currently and then he has a seven foot wingspan 
That's the same wingspan LeBron James has. He's also 6'8", maybe bump him up to 6'9". And then even Ben Simmons, the biggest ultra point guard we have in the NBA right now. 6'10", 6'11", wherever you want to grade him. He still, has, he still has a seven-foot wingspan, so he's just like Cade Cunningham in that respect. This dude has some long arms, and he's playing a point guard, but he can play at small forward, and you would not bat an eye. If you put him at power forward right now, you know, there's some guys who are six foot eight at that four spot. Um, I think body-wise, 220 pounds might be on the low side, but he's only 19. Dude is pretty built anyways. He could fill into a powerful forward role, and I'm not kidding. In a couple years... Yeah, if he so choose chose to be a power forward, he could. But he, he's going to be a point guard, uh, and that is great for the Thunder's case, really, and just everybody, because that's a guy that you don't see kind of come across draft boards in every single season. And based off of the skill set Kate Cunningham has, this is a player that you see like once in a generation. The culmination of everything he has is absolutely ridiculous. So I want to break down the strengths and weaknesses for Cade Cunningham. And it starts out on the strength side with his ability to be a playmaker. And he is amazing at it. So I want to revert back to his height. Six foot eight. At the point guard position, there's not really going to be anybody matching up with him height-wise. The only way you can combat him is if you have a guy like Ben Simmons, a Thomas Sadoransky, Luka Doncic, I guess. But you need to put like a small forward onto him. Shooting guard, small forward, just somebody to match that size. At the one, no one's going to be contesting him really. And because of that, he can see right over the defense. And he has a very, very tight handle, and that allows him to be very good distributing the basketball around. So when he's looking over everybody, that means he can see every target in sight. It doesn't matter. He could be surveying at the top of the key. Someone's open in the left corner. He's going to know. He doesn't even need to look that way. He sees it. If someone's going back door, he'll find you. He just has eyes everywhere on the floor. That's something that you do not see a lot from some of these prospects coming right into the NBA and yeah for some of them it develops and hell there are some playmakers who immediately come in and make an impact but for Cade's sake he's kind of on that ladder where he's gonna go in he can already read the floor and when you compare Oklahoma State's current offense to what an NBA system would look like he's gonna have so many more options so for him I think the floor only expands when he takes this jump as opposed to some other players where at the college level, they're great at making plays, but as soon as they jump over to the NBA, it doesn't work out for them. I don't think that's going to be the case for Cade Cunningham. As a playmaker, he is amazing. Playing for Oklahoma State, he only averaged three and a half assists a game, but I think when you read beyond the numbers, it's a lot better than that, truthfully. Um, because, you know, there was a lot of attention going to Cade. He was a big scorer, scored over 20 points a game for the Cowboys this season. But just passing it around, he did a beautiful job. And it doesn't tell you everything because he's distributing it to wide open players that just could not make chip shots. So in terms of getting players open, which is the important part, he does an excellent job with that. And it doesn't matter if you're talking in a half court scenario or, you know, you're going in transition. He's amazing. As a transition passer, he's going to have his eyes down the floor the entire time. And as, you know, 
a player, he's not the fastest exactly, but he does have some good downhill speed. Like, he will excel accelerate over time, but even during that, you know, it's not like he's a freight train where he's looking to take your head off with a posterizer or something. When he's driving down, he's going to be looking. If someone is in the corner, he will hit you. And in the case where it takes time to develop, he's not going to just force up a terrible layup. He's going to wait till the final second to make a read. And typically, he does a very good job at doing that. So he can kick it out in transition, whether it's, you know, an outlet pass or he is kind of crossing into the free throw range and he sees someone in the corner. He'll hit them up and he'll make the correct read there. And even in terms of alley-oops, did a spectacular job throwing some oops in transition and even working in pick-and-roll scenarios. That's kind of a part of his game that I don't think is, you know, elite. And it's not something that you're going to say in like five years he's a great alley-oop passer but just part of his game that he was able to show off just a little bit truthfully I don't think that is like a headline to any sort of his passing game though it, it comes down a lot more to the transition and then also how he is able to work around in half-court scenarios so he loves an half-court going for those cross-court passes if he's driving inside and he sees someone barely open we're talking a matter of inches he he tries taking those shots and you know if he's smothered it makes sense that's a good read sometimes with those passes though it can tend to be an issue with him to where it's going to lead to a turnover because he's throwing the ball through like four outstretched arms that is a recipe for the disaster for a normal player, not for Cade Cunningham, though. A lot of those passes somehow slip right by, and for the most part, it's going to result in some points for his team. So he's one of those special guys to where, in a terrible situation, he tends to make the best of it, you know, the majority of the time. Compared to a normal guy, yeah, he gets you a positive outcome way more, you know, of trapped or anything uh, kind of in that situation but I think when you talk about how good he is as a playmaker it really centralizes when it comes to the pick and roll because I talked about yeah he's very good when it comes to driving and dishing he'll find the open man transition he's still looking but the chances that he gets most of the time to be a passer comes when he is playing in the pick and roll and it also comes into just him as a shooter in some other parts of his game. But first going on to the passing, whenever he's going in on a pick and roll and he decides to slash in, there is going to be a guy out there for a pick and pop. So if someone's going out there, he'll be able to hit them. In terms of Oklahoma State, I wouldn't really say there was a premier pick and pop specialist on that roster, especially at the five spot. So it is a little bit limiting and you don't get a ton of reps on tape with him doing that but it's kind of just one of those things to where he did a great job finding players in other situations and a pick and pop he definitely know what's going on and you can tell that because of how he reads the defenders whenever he's slashing inside so if he's able to turn the corner on his man he's gonna have the lane but you also need to realize there's a lot of guys that were just focusing solely on Cade Cunningham this is a player who coaches schematically just have circle on the whiteboard a hundred times. This is a player who 
you would rather, you know, him score zero points and get blown out 150 than he drops 25 and it's like a super close game back and forth all the way. They want to test the other players on this Oklahoma State roster. Kind of makes sense because outside of Avery Anderson, it's not like they had any sort of stars. So it was a bit wishy-washy for everybody. But in those scenarios, let's just say that for whatever reason, he actually gets the opportunity where it's just him driving inside. He has his defender who tries coming down with Cade. And then also his man who set the screen is rolling. He's got the defender too. So it's pretty much a two-on-two situation. He knows what to do. Perfect at reading. He's really good at absorbing contact on smaller defenders. And he does have a good job of kind of just stopping and pulling up for mid-range jumpers. But let's just say he wants to go right to the basket. And if he, you know, is followed behind by his defender the whole time, he will go up for shots when he does have an angle. But if he does not, and he's able to see that the center or the big is also coming down on him, he's going to try to slice a pass through. And there's a lot of tape on those scenarios. And there's one that stuck out to me. Had two guys crashing down onto him, and he had, you know, his center a little bit open, but barely, you know, any sort of openness, like pretty contested for the most part, but he sliced a bounce pass, like maybe five feet, you know, he's starting around like right under the right side of the rim, and I don't know, I guess his his center was like right above the circle, like the restricted zone. He was able to slice it right through not only his defender, but the other defender, right to his man for a safe two points. And a lot of the time, you'll get both, you know, his typical matchup and the big man following him. He's going to pass it right down low with no hesitation. If he's got it one-on-one, yeah, he'll try to drive in and make something happen on his own. But a lot of times, like I said, you had three, four guys who would just stand a little bit out of position staring at Cade Cunningham when he's playing in the half court. Now you press the issue. You got Cade just rolling into the rim. You're going to have people leaving their matchups from the corners and then guys from the wings trying to help, whatever it is. They're going to be coming down on Cade Cunningham and they're going to get it to where there's two guys, three guys trying to stop him and clog up the passing lanes. Doesn't seem like a major issue for him. He's still able to rifle passes outside and get great shots. So I think as a driving dish player, he's already going to be entering the NBA as one of the best. I think in his draft class, probably the best. When you want to go into an NBA scale, I don't know what the true competition would be like. I'd say right now, I'd kind of compare him to the likes of SGA. You know, SGA is not like a Zach Levine going in for tomahawk jams. He can go up there for simple one-handed flushes, and he's pretty good at making layups. Other than that, he's going to kick it outside. That's kind of what Cade is too. Like, he is very basic almost in his approach. He's not too speedy getting to the rack, but he does yield the results and really he makes the correct reads like 75% of the time and I might be lowballing him there so as a decision maker rolling inside he's amazing but also this is a three level threat when you put him on a screen especially at the top of the key if you have the defender going under the screen Cade he's gonna have some room to work with from the top of the key and with that 
he is going to pop a triple. Shot 40% on the season with Oklahoma State this last year. And I don't imagine that clip would drop down off of those screens. Now, granted, there's not advanced stats, at least publicly, on stuff like this. It's college, so there's a lot of different players they need to sift through. But like I said, I'm going to give him the bargain here and say, you know, if it's coming off a screen, he's probably hitting right around that 40% mark. I don't see that really ticking down in the NBA. It's the same shot, wide open, just shooting right behind, almost using his screen man as like a shield right behind him, launching up threes, squaring up, and making the defense pay. If that sticks through, it's going to be killer for these defenses because then when they decide to go up and he tries going into the basket, it's a whole can of worms that you just opened right there. So I talked about his three and I talked about him going in as a passer and also just shooting the ball, but the mid-range shot is also very deadly for him. So a lot of the times you'd see him kind of go right off these screens and he kind of go around like 15 feet and then he just stop. If he had his defender almost backpedaling and he thought he could create some separation, he'd hit a step back or he'd just straight up stop, pop, pull up and make you pay. So the mid-range was a big deal for him as well. So I think overall, that's probably his biggest strong suit in terms of an offensive player because he's not just a one-trick pony. He has a lot of tricks up his sleeve. And even if it gets a little bit congested when he's in the mid-range, he can still soar up, like I said, with that six-foot-eight body of his. He can go up, fling some wild cross-court passes mid-air, you know, throwing over the head kind of passes. Pretty wacky stuff from him to get the ball off, but he does have pretty good delivery even in the worst of situations. So, like I said, I think when it comes to pick and roll, he's already very, very advanced, not at a college level, but already at an NBA level. And like I said, with how he's able to make decisions, a lot of it has to do with this step back and his pull-up jumper whenever he's not able to get just a wide-open shot on his own by driving inside. A lot of the reason is the lane is always going to be congested for him. At least that is what happened with the Cowboys. So with Cunningham's step-back jumper, I think for me, that's probably what I like the most about his little arsenal of dribble moves. The step-back is the most killer for him. And Cade, it's not like I have him as a comparison to Luka Doncic in this area. And I'm I don't know if it's 100% kind of online because Doncic his step back is just bang bang. It's a very quick sudden movement that creates a lot of separation and he's able to get up his jumper with a lot of elevation on it too. For Cade Cunningham, it is rapid, but the amount of ground covered isn't as large, so it gives the defender a little bit more time to kind of close out on him, but regardless, it did the job perfectly at the college level. When it comes to pull-ups, I think it's pretty fast. You know, he's not a De'Aaron Fox. He's not a Westbrook where, you know, the Westbrook pull-up jumper, that is insane. And, you know, it's almost light on, light off. It's the speed of light damn near. He's able to pull up shots, Westbrook. Cunningham's not like that, obviously, 
but he's still pretty quick at stopping and getting his shots up. And with him, I think that it's really going to come down to how he's able to use the step back and the pull up at the next level to determine where he'd kind of be graded as an isolation player. And I think overall, that might be one of his biggest kind of deals he might need to hammer in because he's not an elite athlete. He's not extremely fast just in general. So it can cause some problems where he will get kind of clamped up off a screen or trying to ISO. He's going to be trapped. So when he gets in those situations, he needs to be able to go into those kind of cop-out moves. If he's able to pull off the step back, he's getting wide open shots. And that's what happened with the Cowboys you got to be able to move that over. But right now, I'd say he's one of the top in the class in terms of being able to pull up a step back. And watching some of the shots that he was able to pull off going off of step backs were ridiculous. Literally looked like a star at some of these points. Reminiscent of the Donchiches, of the Lillards. Now, clearly, the sample size is way too small, and you can't chalk it up as that already. But it looked very good, and the seeds have definitely been planted. Going in the NBA, getting proper training, that step back could be deadly for some of these defenses around the league. And I think that one of the other moves that is a little bit underrated for him, it's not really like a crazy combo. Like, you know, you got guys who have like their own 2K moves in, in video games, like Jamal Crawford behind the backs, Steph Curry has them, Kyrie very quick moves that get them into setups. Cade doesn't have that. I'd say for the most part, his dribble moves are kind of on the more basic side, but I think he uses that to his advantage because it kind of keeps the defense on edge where, you know, a lot of these, you know, quick point guards, they'll just fire off a ton of dribble moves and, you know, then you almost expect to go after them. With Cade, he just sits back and he watches the defense kind of just digest whatever's going on waits for openings to kind of go for the offensive side but he'll wait there and then he goes into this little two-step move and I kind of want to call it a formula here but he does it a lot when he's at both the left and right wings so originally what he does is he has the ball in his left hand he brings it over with the left to right crossover and then still pretty slowly, he turns it from, you know, being in his right hand, does it between the legs to get it into his left, get, goes a little bit back in the process, and by that point, the defender, he's kind of almost assuming he's going to drive in, but that's not, that's not what's going to happen. Cunningham is just going to go right out of that, he's going to get the ball out of his left and immediately chuck up a shot normally got him pretty good looks and yeah you know that's a that's a little move where there's not a ton of space and I think with elite defenders in the NBA I don't know if you'd be able to pull that off as much as some of his other moves but it still was a pretty good kind of underrated thing that he was able to use especially from downtown to put up some points relatively fast so I think for him as I said, step back, pull up, and then also the crossover into the between the legs. Pretty good for him. He did have some nice spins into the lane that also need to be talked about while he's driving in. So if he has a lot of pressure, let's say he's driving in from the right, has a lot of pressure from that left side, he'll go into a spin. Sometimes it's even a half spin, 
but he just goes right around his man, almost unscathed, and is able to get a pretty good shot up. And talking about good shots, going from three is a major, major deal for him. So I said, in the pick and roll scenario, he's golden. If he's wide open, he'll go for it. If he's able to do a little step back, he's going to launch up a three and he's also very good. But one other facet to this is him playing off the ball and playing as a catch and shoot threat. And I think it overall makes his perimeter shooting very, very good in this draft class. And before the year started out, Cade Cunningham was not expected to be a lights out shooter. He shot 40% from the field on threes and he shot threes five. 0.7 times a game on average so pretty wild for him and I think that's just another reason why everybody loves him so much in terms of draft scouts so I said pretty much all that needs to be said in terms of when he's playing on the ball but off the ball he's still an insane killer for catch and shoots and he didn't really have that much time where he was just on an island almost because as I said, Oklahoma State's lineup, it's not a blue chip school where you got five stars all around the basketball court. You know, the you know teams like OSU, they got to kind of scout about and try to hit diamonds, both in the football program and in basketball. Had one in Avery Anderson, but outside of him, you know, there, there'd be guys that'd be good in some games, not so much in others. Avery Anderson was kind of the only co-star he had and that was about it. I think Anderson even, um, he's actually going into the draft, seeing where he can go. Uh, I don't think he's completely pulled out of Oklahoma State's program, though. But with Cunningham, didn't have a lot of chances to be on his own, and when he was, he did a good job. So he's good at squaring up the feet and immediately getting shots up. So that's an immediate threat that you can plug in, and let's say that there's already a good ball handler on someone's roster and what you see in the top five and who will likely take Cade Cunningham in this draft class there's already a ton of different guards that they're able to be tinkered around with if you want to talk about Detroit or something they already have Killian Hayes on the roster they can still put Cade Cunningham next to Killian Hayes and there shouldn't be an issue Hayes is a guy who is known for passing the basketball around not so much being a shooter Kate Cunningham, he's good all around, so he can fit the bill and improve Killian Hayes. For the Thunder, they have Shea Gilgis-Alexander, really comparable to Kate Cunningham, honestly, but he would be a good second fiddle to him to where they can almost bounce off each other. SGA, he was a great catch-and-shoot player alongside players like CP3 and Danilo Gallinari, even Dennis Schroeder. That's what Kate Cunningham can do. Both of them can do that. It would be, you know, pretty good for the both of them. Even for a team like Cleveland, they already have Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Would they have to trade someone if they wanted Cade? Not necessarily due to the size. Maybe they'd want to go there. But regardless, it wouldn't matter. You can let one of those two, if for whatever reason they like the, the Cavs organization, let them be the primary guy and let Cade sit back at times. And he'll be able to do that. So he's not just a player that needs the basketball to be great. He can sit back and still get you what you want on the board. And if he gets the basketball and someone's closing out hard on him, 
it's fine. He'll just go into the mid-range. He can pull up from the baseline, or he can continue to drive in, look for options, and hey, if he thinks he has the best look, he'll just go ahead and take a layup, and everything will be good and dandy on that front. And one of the best parts about Cade Cunningham is when he goes into finishing, he does have a pretty good gauge, at least whenever, you know, there's no surprise guy going for a charge or anything like that. If he has a guy one-on-one or he sees one center down low, he has a pretty good gauge of being able to take contact, try to get to the foul line, or just completely evade it altogether. And I will say, in terms of evading guys, it's not 100% all the time. There's just kind of off chances where it's like, was he doing this on purpose? I'm going to go ahead and say yes. But yeah, he's, he's pretty good at times at just completely avoiding defenses where, you know, he'd drive in and then he'd just fly the complete opposite direction, going for like a sweet reverse layup, stuff like that. So that's already good enough as is. But when he drives in on players, he's able to kind of go in. He's not extremely kind of physical, I would say, but he'll just jump into you and kind of hang for a little bit. He glides and then he'll go ahead and take the shot whenever there's really not as much body-to-body contact going on, and he thinks that he is able to go up for his shot. So particularly, you're going to see that when there's larger defender defenders on him. Even when there's smaller ones, he will try to take you off the drive and go for almost a free throw of some sorts. He did a very good job with doing that and getting to the foul line took right around six free throws a game and made 84% of them, by the way, just for a little bit of a sample on where he would be at. But yeah, he'd drive in on the smaller guys, 6'2", 6'3", and he'd make them pay off the and ones. And even when he's working down low in the post, he'd get good positioning to where he, you know, if he looks straight up, he has the net just encompassing him all around. He's right under the basket and he's got pressure from behind from the smaller guy. Didn't matter, he'd still will up shots and go and get it. If he missed, he'd scalp out an offensive rebound and go for that second chance and even pass out at times. So he's still very diverse whenever he goes in and tries to initiate contact. I will say though, he's not going to be posterizing people for the most part. He can get a couple surprises in there because when he's in transition, he does have some kind of nice athleticism. He's able to do maybe a, a sweet little windmill, but you know, if you're expecting him to go for like between the legs, I just haven't seen it yet. It's probably somewhere on like ball is life or something, but he is able to turn up the jets in the open floor in a half court scenario though. You don't see it a lot. So that's why you see a lot of the kind of mid range work. And then also him going in for a pretty strong layup game. So I do like him overall in that package. And then even talking about free throws when he gets up there, hits it at a good rate at 84%. That should be a good kind of evaluator as to where he would look in the NBA from downtown. 84%, that's a really high clip. Now, if he's shooting like 60% from the foul line, taking six a game, you might want to raise some questions from downtown, but it's just not there. I think the perimeter shot truthfully is here to stay for him. One thing though, that really cannot be taught. That's the, that's the real saying here. And I don't know how you teach it, honestly. It's having that clutch gene, and he had this in a major way for the Oklahoma State lineup last year. And overall, 
Cade Cunningham, he was the guy. I mean, it's pretty obvious. When Cade was off the floor, they were, you know, going down negative 8.4 points. So his impact whenever he was on the floor was plus 8.3. My bad. So it's pretty huge. That's a huge disparity, really, when you're talking Cade on and Cade off. But in the second half, that's when he would turn up. And in the first, that's normally when you would see the game plans work out pretty strong and there'd have to be adjustments. Cade would be swarmed. He would have to go out and look to pass. But in the second half, he looked to be a killer. And out of Oklahoma State's 21 wins on the season, I don't know how many I would just hand over to him due to clutch situations, but there were like four or five comebacks for the Cowboys this season where even some of them they lost, but they're like one possession away. They're down double digits with like five to go, and Cade Cunningham comes out of nowhere, just hits three after three to will the team back into the contest. And you saw this a lot. I'd say the biggest one was against the Baylor Bears. These guys won the national championship, only lost two games all year. One of them came in the Big 12 semifinal versus the Cowboys. And this was a game where it was really back and forth. There's another lottery pick potentially in Davion Mitchell in that Bears lineup. But they just had an amazing core of guards. All of them are very good defensively too. Cade Cunningham was able to drop 25 points on them. And by the end of the game, he was still a major issue. It allowed his co-star really in Avery Anderson to explode. And at the end of the game, the Cowboys were able to win 83-74. to And honestly, before that, that game was completely gridlocked. Like, two, three minutes away from the final horn, we're talking a tie ball game, pretty much. Then you had the Cowboys go on that major run. I think a lot of it has to do with Cade. And this is undeniable in the Big 12 championship. You had the Cowboys going up against the Texas Longhorns, able to escape the round before because of Kansas. But you go in there and the Cowboys could not stop the Texas Bigs. In particular, Jericho Sims, senior, pretty lengthy guy, could not find any sort of solution to him. So they could just work in the paint all they wanted, and then they started looking out for threes. Oklahoma State looked done. They were exhausted. They were down double digits with a little bit under three minutes ago. It was 10 points. But then Kay Cunningham went out, rattled two pull-up mid-range jumpers, couple other baskets spruced in there, but the Cowboys, they were down just six with a minute. And even with that, Texas still prevailed. They were up seven with right around 30 seconds to go. But then Cade Cunningham goes out, hits that trademark step back triple, nothing but net. On the very next Cowboys possession, he goes out, does the exact same thing, hits a clutch three, and then you were talking that this game was pretty close. I think at that time, it was almost a one-possession game, but then you had to foul. Time was just against them. They lost by five, but those were still very two very critical games, probably the biggest on the Cowboys' schedule, and he ended up being a major factor in both of them took over the game late to really pull his team through and in the second round of the NCAA tournament the Oklahoma State Cowboys had to face Oregon State another 
OSU team, and they also seem done. The Oregon State Beavers had a seven foot four center. Could not stop him. You thought Jericho Sims was difficult. Sure as hell could not find a bottle for Silva. That was the center for them. But yeah, it was rough. They were down 14 points in the second half. There's about 17 minutes to go. But then Cade Cunningham turned up. First half, it was really bad for him. He was getting stopped play after play. Really just had to settle for a lot of dumb jumpers. And a lot of the points had to come from the free throw line. In that second half, flipped the switch, scored the Cowboys' last 13 of 22 points in a major run, and to cap it all off, he hit another major three to get the game down to just one possession. It was 70 to 67, and then at the very end, he just did not get the basketball anymore. So it leaves a bit of a question as to how he would have looked at the end. But he was just kind of hiding in the opposite wing the whole entire time. And I don't know if that is something to blame on Cunningham himself or the system. But he was just looking to not be in the plays. Maybe he was supposed to be, you know, that guy to get it off a catch and shoot. But you saw Avery Anderson kind of controlling things. He took a backseat role. And ultimately, you know, that little huge run the Cowboys had got stomped all over in a matter of like 30 seconds. They got bounced out of that second round by 10 points, and that leads us to today. But I still think that's huge for him. And even on top of what I've just mentioned with you, there were two other games this season where Cade Cunningham hit major buzzer beaters. One of them was a three to end the game against Arkansas, and the other was against Wichita State, able to get two major field goals at the very end. I guess one of them was like a lay-in, and then he hit two free throws to really help them out. But he's very clutch as a player, and that means a lot in the NBA. If you want to find a formula for a superstar, you're going to have clutch written there somewhere. And if you don't, you don't know what a superstar is in the NBA. They need to have that clutch factor. And Cade Cunningham showed that time and time again in the college system with the Cowboys. Even going further into Cade's kind of palette of play. He's a great rebounder. And it has to do with him being six foot eight. Really, that's what you could chalk it up to. But he's very good just boxing out, getting the good positioning. And I think even out of the 6.2 he had, that was second best on his team, about 0.7 of those were coming offensively anyways. So he still was going under the rim for second chances. For the most part, though, he just had to use his size, and he reaped the benefits really well on the roster. So I think moving forward into the NBA, it's not going to be an issue for him. He's not going to be flying in for rebounds, of course, but a 10-rebound game should not be very special for him, in my opinion. I think that in terms of hitting a triple-double, he could be a guy that you see, uh, you know, that stat pop up a pretty decent amount of time. So, for Cunningham's sake, yeah, he's one of the best rebounders at the point guard position in this draft, and maybe in the league in a couple years. Also, defensively, is a major plus for him. And as all these other things I've talked about, it's really only been pluses. There's a bit of a downside to Cunningham's defensive play, but overall, the potential just totally, you know, engulfs that. It doesn't even matter. This little minus I would have for him. But at 6'8", Kate Cunningham, 
he's really able to play all around and this is something that teams salivate over you know how many teams could use a guy like that just in general as a defensive mastermind forget the offensive game you'd want to have a player like that to throw in in situations you couple that with him being amazing in the pick and roll amazing as a shooter really just refined everywhere outside of just natural speed you're going to want to play him all the time and that's going to be one of your most trusted guys Kay cunningham is going to be that for you because at 6'8 220 pounds at 19 years old he's already used to guarding guys from the one through five positions and playing in high school he literally played against every position. With the Cowboys, it really wasn't all positions. I'd say he kind of didn't play the five as much, but he still played the one through four. He got a different taste of all these different positions, and he held up pretty well for the most part. I'd say rotating on defenders, he did a great job on it. And then also, when he's going up against guards, which is one of his really only concerns I see defensively, he was able to kind of back it up and fix things because with these speedier guards they could get around Kate Cunningham a decent amount of time but then they'd want to go up for layups Kate Cunningham would elevate and just smack the ball he's an amazing chase down artist and because of that he averaged 0.8 blocks a game this year also averaged 1.6 steals with the team straight up disruptor and I don't know if 1.6 steals is going to be hit again in his NBA career, but I will say this. If there is going to be a loose ball on the ground, Kay Cunningham is going to be all over it. A lot of the time with Cunningham, there'd be plays where he just was out of it. He'd pull like a James Harden almost, where he just dropped the play immediately as he got passed. I'll give him a rain check because his offensive duties were gigantic with the roster. But before that... You know, if he's going full speed, he's doing great. And if there's a loose ball, it doesn't matter if he was daydreaming. He's sprinting after it and going for it. That is something every coach wants to have on the roster. Cade Cunningham can do that. And in passing lanes, I'd say he's pretty all right. So defensively, he's good. And I think one through four, he should be great. I think the deal is... You know, if he's able to stay on to these, you know, speedier defenders, if they can turn the corner and then maybe push Cunningham back or just kill him in a pick and roll situation, it becomes a problem. And sometimes if they want to pull up or go in for a layup, he'll close out really wacky and he'll end up fouling. Um, But, you know, you're able to fix that with some discipline. He's good and you're going to be able to play him pretty much everywhere on the floor and you can't say that a lot about really anybody in the NBA right now. So I think that's really it for me. Like, and I'm saying like that's really it. That's a lot of stuff. That's almost every single thing in the sport of basketball Cade Cunningham is good at. Now, looking at weaknesses though, these are deals that can end up hurting him, you know, in a major way. But overall, you're still going to see Cade Cunningham being a very effective player at the next level even in the worst case scenario where these weaknesses really show up in his game and there are some kind of you know not so bright spots with him i think the main one defensively is lateral quickness and if he's able to maintain defending those smaller point guards he averaged 2.5 fouls a game due to those pretty errant you know fouls he was doing when there were those guys being right in front of him and i think if he's able to close out better 
and you know, kind of judging when and when not to be going for some of these blocks, he'll be all right. Um, you know, if you're able to fix the feet to where he is able to stay in front of his man, this isn't even an issue at all. And I think defensively, when I was talking one through four, he literally can play one through four defensively, and there should not be a real drop off almost anywhere. So I think it's a bit of a nitpick, but he's very, very good. I think offensively, he's not too explosive. And this is the biggest blemish for him. If you're going to be a star in the league, you're going to need to be pretty fast for the most part. You got to be really, really athletic, or you have to have something that stands out. I'd say Doncic, for example, he's not going to wow you with his athleticism. In fact, he's really not that athletic. The deal with him is the moves that he's able to perform, the step backs, the pull-ups. That's what Cade Cunningham really would need to mold his game around if he's not going to be faster. And I don't expect, you know, out of nowhere, he's going to be Usain Bolt or anything. But if it's a case where he's not, you know, crazy, crazy fast, you could use some of those skills from Doncic. I think the big deal with him is sometimes he just can't turn the corner on his defender. And because of it, he gets trapped in the mid-range. And then you got people coming onto him and he's got two guys right in front of his face. He's got to throw the ball away and it can lead to some turnover issues at least on his end. So he's, if he's able to turn the corner consistently, it's not an issue, and the pick-and-roll game is golden for him. Without it, though, you need the pull-ups, you need the step-backs, you need something. And something that I didn't mention on that inside game that could be used here almost, and even in the off-ball scenarios, he's pretty good as a post-turnaround guy. And that also is kind of just a page taken out of Luca's book. Luca loves to go in, look for entry passes when he has a smaller man, get a pretty soft touch, so he'll just chuck it right up and over you for two points. Cade can do that, so that can kind of help combat it, but I think turning the corner there is kind of an essential if you can't make a signature move. And for me, I think that at least the step back is going to be a signature move for him. For everything else, I don't know. But there's been so many step back jumpers we saw from Cade I don't know how on earth that could just be ripped right away from him and it just could not work at the next level. Maybe that might be the case because it's not a very big kind of ground that he's taking off his step, but even with that, relatively fast and, you know, even when contested, it didn't seem like he was phased that much anyways. So that's kind of a point on how he'd work as an isolation player. If you take the moves out and, you know, let's just say he's terrible at all these dribble moves, that is a problem. I think right now, though, it's one of those things where it enhances him tenfold, obviously, but even without it, he's a very, very good player. And I think even, you know, when he gets trapped in those situations or in just general, he's still pretty good. Um, I think another thing that gets brought up is his passing, his decision making can look a bit weird um, to some people, and I do think that's valid. I mean, he actually averages more turnovers a game than he does assists. He averaged four turnovers a game and three and a half assists. Now, out of those turnovers, you could talk about some of them being charges, and that was his. That's his biggest concern, really, going downhill. Um, because when he does go in for layups, he kind of does lose sight for like a split second. He'll bump into his man, get the offensive foul. 
I think he will be able to kind of work on uh, and, and fix that. But um, another deal is really just looking at some of his vision and a little bit more of the decision making. So passing overall probably makes more of that 4% than any other things. Sometimes he'll just straight up get ripped at the top of the key by some of these smaller defenders. That is something that is a serious issue. And I think regardless if you're going to the NBA, actually that's going to be even more of an issue. But the big deal that people have been talking about is him throwing the ball uh, kind of errantly and trying to slip passes in through tiny crevices. And some of the kickouts too can be a little bit bad for him. I don't even think that's going to be a problem uh, moving on to the next level. I think playmaking wise, passing, there could be some high turnovers at the beginning. But I think as he eases into it, it's never going to be an issue for him. Because as I said like four times, <laughs> I've said a lot, but... Oklahoma State's lineup is not full of stars. Like, if you're going to be kicking out to the corner, chances are the defense is actually planning for the guy to shoot in the corner. They got exactly what they wanted. Now, in Cade's eyes, and in a lot of eyes, that's going to be the best look on the table. But there's not a lot of great shooters on the roster anyways. So, if you're going to put him into an NBA system... The guy who's going to be spotting up in the corner, he is going to be knocking it down. So you're going to need to at least pay attention to him. And if you want to make the mistake of not covering the guy, he'll make you pay with three points. And if he doesn't feel comfortable, you just play hot potato until you find the wide open man who wants to end up taking the shot. So driving and dishing will be amazing for him. Some of these cross-court passes are not going to be double teamed. He was doubled and tripled all the time in college because... That's what made sense. I don't really think that makes sense in the NBA where everybody he's surrounded with were stars in college and they can produce when they are left wide open. Not to mention, the court is going to be much bigger for him. So guys are going to be pulled out. And there's no, you know, actually there is a three-second violation. So people aren't just going to be hiding in the paint expecting K to come in at some point. You're going to have to get pulled and off of those screens, you could be stuck in a no man's land position where Kate is able to eat you alive. So the floor will be so much more expanded that I think his kindness of just sharing the ball through extremely tight windows is going to work out. Sometimes that was his weakness and it'll still be a weakness at some points thinking, why would he pass it he should have been able to just take a layup and that does happen sometimes to where he should have taken a layup but he's a little bit too sharing there's gonna be a lot more just easy reads for him to make at the next level simply because it's not going to be the guy out there cannot shoot the ball i'm double teamed i'm triple teamed it won't happen there's gonna be more room and if it does happen he'll just pass the basketball around and someone will be left open for him so there's gonna be a lot greater clarity on his reads on whether it needs to pass the basketball or take it on his own so I don't even think passing even though he turned the ball over four times is gonna be a problem with him at all so that's kind of my main reasoning for his strengths and weaknesses overall I think that Kate Cunningham he's going to be at bare minimum just going he's gonna be like an all-star he's gonna be I guess borderline I personally think he would get an all-star even at his floor. At his ceiling, you're talking perennial all-star, superstar kind of guy. Regardless, he will be a player that is very, very important as to why someone would get an NBA championship if he was to be 
on one of those teams. His game is so well-rounded, and you put that in a dude who is six foot eight, and it's pretty unstoppable. That is all you need to know. And he's playing at the one, and if you had the speed on him, there would not be an issue at all. The lateral quickness would be fixed up, and just turning the corner would be a breeze for him. Now, he's not super athletic. I think he's able to cope with that pretty well. And as I said, I think the, the big issues for him, if there are any huge ones, I don't truly think there are. It is the speed, and really, I think it's really just the speed and how he's able to kind of utilize other moves if the speed does not pan out for him. So if he does become that specialist of step backs, he will be a very important piece and damn near probably even a superstar. That's my evaluation, truthfully. I think that if he's able to kind of cross that bridge of becoming an elite shot creator through his other moves, the speed is thrown out the window. It does not matter. Regardless, he's going to be one of the pick and roll wizards in the NBA. You're selecting him. You are going to be getting a guy who can team up with anybody on your roster. You set him a screen. He's going to be getting a good look, whether it's for himself or one of his teammates and opposing defenses are going to be tearing their hair out just trying to think how to stop this guy because he kind of is so out of place in terms of the body and what he actually does playing in half-court sets. Athletically, he needs to kind of perk up a bit. He's shown that he is a freak. So if there's ever like a wild dunk or a poster, I'm going to say it's not out the realm of possibility for him, but he needs to kind of tick it up a bit he doesn't show it at least enough if he wants to go on layup solely it's cool but yeah I think layup wise he's great he could add a dunking game if truthfully he wanted to so my deal is this he would be a star on and off the ball for any team and defensively I don't know if you're gonna look at him and say he's all defensive NBA at any point in his career but he's a player that is not going to be a major downside playing anywhere one through four. I think that that means you can pretty much play him in the small ball. You can run, hell, you can run, you know, two traditional guards alongside him and it should still work out fairly fine for you. And, you know, he doesn't need the basketball. As I said, he can be a catch and shoot player. So it really just does benefit everybody involved. So He's one of those special guys that's already well-rounded coming into the draft class. There are those two notes, though. As I said, I think this speed really could derail him in terms of superstardom. But if he gets past that, he's got superstar written all over him. And there is a reason why he is graded as the number one prospect in this draft class. So look at him as a three-level scorer. Pick and roll. He'll take you. If you go under, he's shooting the three. Mid-range. Pull up step back does not matter and then even getting inside he's great at drawing the fouls defensively as i said he can do a lot of different things for you so whoever lands up with kate cunningham they are going to be extremely happy i think he's one of those players that the floor is extremely extremely high and then the boundary that he has is almost at an immeasurable height like I am talking superstar. I think that comparisons for him are a little bit hard to do because I want to say a guy like Luca or Jason Tatum, 
In terms of shot creators, he's there. He's not as fast per se as some of those guys. I was thinking Grant Hill in some of the pull-up games and some of the passes that he makes. I think that could also be pretty truthful. So he has a lot of different blends. I do think that oversized SGA one does make a lot of sense though too, especially in a pick and roll scenario. There's just so many ways he can impact a game and he does it for everybody on the basketball court. So he's going to be used as a chess piece. He's going to be used as one of the big time players on a roster and he can lead a roster for years to come. So I understand the number one pick grade. You know, if he's going to be the superstar, that's that's one of those things. You don't know if he's going to be an all-star or superstar. But regardless, he's going to be a very, very good player who can be a centerpiece for a franchise. And I think for a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder, he is a perfect fit next to SGA. And it's the comparison. They're pretty much mirroring each other except Cade Cunningham is two inches taller. SGA, he's a great playmaker when he goes into, you know, pick and roll situations. I'd almost say Cade Cunningham might be a little bit better right now in terms of actually finding the open man because a lot of times you'd see SGA go in, there'd be someone in the corner wide open, and he just didn't find him. He would just go on his own and try to make his own play. I understand it. Um, because he was very good regardless. He led the NBA in drives for a reason. But I think Cade would find those guys a little bit better, but it doesn't matter. SGA is already top in the league when it comes to driving in and finding the best option. Cade also does that, and just like SGA is able to play off the ball, Cade Cunningham can do that as well. So a roster with Cade Cunningham, let's just say they get the number one pick is ridiculous. You get SGA, you have Cade Cunningham, you have Lou Dort. That's an offensive specialist in Lou Dort already. Cade is a hopeful, I don't know what to say, a specialist, but he would have the ability to play defensively a lot in a lot of different spots. You have a player like Poku, who SGA and Cade could find wide open all the time, or Baisley even if you want to slot him there. And at the five, you got Moses Brown, I think as a pick and roll player, he's one. He's very good. He's underrated. Now you can't depend on him to shoot a mid range, and that's a big issue. That means that whoever the center is, they can just you know take their foot on and off the painted area for the full 24 seconds. And unless there's a high ball screen, it won't be a big deal. But Cade drives in. He will go in on centers if he wants to, and he can hurt you there. So that ability really just turns that Thunder roster up a notch. If you would say they immediately turn into championship contenders, honestly, I don't know. I think you still would probably want at least one more piece at the three or four. Now, Poku could be that for you. And Dort, he's on the rise. But you want to get a little bit greedy. If you're able to get a guy at the small forward spot primarily, you are going to be set up for a run. And even at a center spot, you get a guy who can stretch the floor out. You're immediately going to be going into next year expecting to make the play-ins probably. I think that's really what their trajectory would be. So it fits like a glove. I think the dynasty really would already be started if you land a guy like him. And 
you know, the athleticism's not there. I think next to SGA, who is fast, not extremely fast, you'd ideally want a player who compliments him, which Cade does, but also is very fast. Cade is not exactly that, but he's as good as you can get. You don't want to go picking, you don't want to be going picking and choosing and just marking him up because of one issue. So I think Cade, he's got it all, and the Thunder, whoever gets him, would be absolutely stoked to get a player of his caliber. If you guys want to read this article, I posted it on my website, kylesingler4mvp.com. Expect that domain name to change in the near future, by the way. But that was just the first scouting report I had for you guys. Expect more on the way, especially at the top of the board. As we work our way down, I will also talk about everybody. That is the hope for me. So be prepared for that and get your notepad out. I'm going to be doing some takes on these players. Hopefully by draft day, I will have a big board set up. I'll have my mock draft set up. Do that every single year. So I'm really happy to talk to you guys about that. Really excited to talk about draft coverage. Been one of my favorite events of the NBA season since I can remember, to be quite honest with you. And now that the Thunder are really the lead team in terms of drafting for the next six, seven years, it's going to be fun not just talk about the guys at the top, but also the guys working out at the bottom. So I really appreciate all the support. As I said, you guys know where to find me if you want to read the article. It's about 3,300 words long, so it's a pretty big kind of guide there. Um, And if you guys want to listen to any other draft kind of podcasts, highly suggest looking at some of the other people in the draft podcast network. As you guys know, I'm the affiliate for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I'm hoping that as we near draft day, I'll be able to talk to some of those guys and get some of their takes as to what their team should be doing in the draft. So get a little bit of insider knowledge from these other teams and their fan bases. So I'm really thrilled about it. Hope you guys are excited about this new draft scouting series I got going on. And like I said, expect more in the future. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you all next time. See ya.